Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. Hey, how are you doing? Before we get started today, I do have a favor to ask of all of you. I did start a channel over on YouTube in the last year, year and a half or so. And yeah, I'm really trying to promote that. And the reason being is I think the content that I'm putting out here, you know, we're doing all right with some of these guests who are coming on. And I think it deserves to be put in front of more people. And one of the best ways, of course, of doing that is through a platform like YouTube. Now, if you do interact with these videos on YouTube, that algorithm loves it. And that's the only way that it knows to continually share that content, put it in front of more people. So yeah, I could be a little bit biased here, but I think, you know, finding out about some of these careers is great for young people. It's great for mid-career professionals. If you have a second, head on over to YouTube, lifeasa...dot...dot. That's where you can find it. And yeah, like or subscribe. It would help a ton. February 24th, 2022. Yeah, that was the day the full-scale invasion of Ukraine began. And at the time of this recording, the summer of 2023, of course, things are still raging on. Lives are being lost, dreams being shattered. And I don't know about you, but I mean, we're constantly getting these updates about the battle lines, what's taking place there. And of course, that information is important. We need to know about these things. But what I sometimes fear is just the loss of you know awareness of what's taking place for everyday Ukrainians who are you know, having their lives sadly ended in some cases or dreams and hopes being shattered in others. So in terms of life as a and what we do here, I kind of want to have this special episode where we look at some of these issues. We hear voices of everyday Ukrainians, their stories, their hopes, their dreams, how they're viewing things, how they're carrying on. Because I think a lot of this, you know, is critically important. Ultimately, I mean, that is what this fight for freedom is all about for Ukrainians. So in this special episode of Life As, uh, I have this really great guest lined up who's going to share a lot of her insights. She writes about these issues. She herself, born and raised, educated within Ukraine, and unfortunately had her life and career interrupted by this unjust invasion of her country. So let me more formally introduce her to you, and we can get started. Elena Biektova is an in-residence fellow with the Democracy Fellowship Program at the Center for European Policy Analysis, CEPA. Her research there focuses on temporarily occupied territories of Ukraine after Russia's full-scale invasion on February 24th, 2022. Now, rewinding a bit, Elena started her career as a journalist in Fedosia, Crimea, working for the local newspaper. Later, she participated in the Benjamin Franklin Transatlantic Fellowship with Wake Forest University and participated in a global undergraduate exchange program via the University of Mississippi. And she has worked as a journalist, editor, and TV anchor for different news stations in Kharkiv and Kiev within Ukraine. 
As part of International Insight, the TV program Elena hosted, she conducted interviews with the likes of esteemed world figures not limited to Kurt Volker, United States Special Representative for Ukraine, Jen Stoltenberg, Secretary General of NATO, Anders Fogh Rasmussen, former Secretary General of NATO and former PM of Denmark, Carl Bildt, former PM of Sweden, and General Wesley Clark, former Supreme Allied Commander, Europe for NATO. Currently, Elena is an author of Behind the Lines, a SEPA project about the latest developments in the temporarily occupied and recently liberated territories of Ukraine. She's involved with interviewing Ukrainian voices, policymakers, activists, and officials. Finally, she also contributes to the translator's team of Ukrainska Pravda, the biggest Ukrainian online newspaper creating the content for the international audience. Elena holds a master's degree in journalism from Kharkiv National University and a master's degree in clinical psychology from the Kiev Institute of Modern Psychology and Psychotherapy. So with all that noted, here's my conversation with Elena Pyekatova. Yeah, so hi, welcome to the program. How are you doing today, Elena? Uh, hi, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, well, I'm okay. You know, that's the phrase right now for everyone uh, from Ukraine. Uh, we, we say that we are okay, but there is a lot of behind of that. But today I'm, I'm okay. Well, yeah, thanks so much for taking some time and joining the program. Really excited to, uh, to get into all of this with you. And you know, for listeners of my program, normally what I do right out of the gate is jump into this first segment called Coloring Wikipedia. But considering that the topic that we're going to be getting into today and the sensitivity of it, I kind of want to go about things a little bit differently. And maybe we could start by hearing a little bit more about your background within SEPA, you know, Center for European Policy Analysis, and what you do there. Yeah, sure. I have two uh, majors, which is journalism and clinical psychology. But all my life, I've been working as a journalist, editor, and television anchor. Actually, I started my career as a print journalist uh, back in uh, many, many years ago in Crimea. This is where I'm from, to Kharkiv, which is uh, in the east of Ukraine. And then I lived in Kiev uh, for many years. So this is where I was engaged in all types of journalism world and the professions that we can imagine. Then I was kind of burned out and uh, I had this emotional burnout and uh, I decided to get another degree, which is uh, psychology. So for several years, I I was studying and uh, doing a lot of uh, research and uh, learning about this wonderful um, psychological profession and uh, sphere. Mm. So... When actually the full-scale invasion started, like I was thinking about that I would stay in um, uh, in Kiev, but unfortunately I'm not as brave as I thought about myself. So I fled to Germany where my good friend lives and uh, then from that point uh, I applied for different uh, fellowships that were connected with Ukraine because this is what I want to do right now, uh, talk and uh, write about Ukraine. So this is how I got to the Center of European Policy Analysis, SIPA. And um, basically, I'm writing about Ukraine and explaining a lot of things about Ukraine to all the audiences that may um, have any questions. Mm, yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think it kind of, uh, you know, paints a nice picture in terms of, of that background. And you made a statement there of like, you weren't brave enough to stay, I guess, in Kiev. And I don't know if, you know, personally, like, I don't know if that's the right choice of words there. I mean, like, I, I completely understandable, I would assume that for anyone 
what we're talking here, you know, preservation of life and extremely difficult circumstance to be faced with. It's, it's unimaginable for most people to have to even entertain those thoughts. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, it certainly couldn't have been an easy time for you. Uh, well, definitely, but I have a lot of friends uh, who stay, for instance, in Kiev or in any other cities of Ukraine, and they're like, no, we will stay and that's it, you know? So I realized that I cannot be as productive as I can be somewhere else yeah. where I will be um, like having a good internet right now, you know, like uh, yeah. last uh, autumn and winter, it was not very easy in Ukraine just to be in Ukraine because we had the power outages and everything. So it was very hard for some of my friends to actually work, but that's yeah. people uh, tried to work as they could work. But yeah, you never know how you would react to the situation when you have these rockets, missiles attacks every day. So I think that only when you are in this situation, then you kind of can take a decision because you remember probably like last uh, January of 2022 when they were like uh, the intelligence reports from the United States and uh, I think from Britain that time that Russia may invade. So I kind of scanned myself and I was like, no, I will be staying here in Kiev, you know, but completely changes when you are in this situation and when you go through particular, you know, like situations that are consequences of the full-scale invasion. So I still think that I kind of uh, reflected on this phrase and I still think, you know, I'm not brave and I can accept it. I'm not that brave as a lot of Ukrainians right now who are in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Well, we do have some questions lined up for you later on in this talk where we're going to be getting into what you're doing, you know, right now. And, uh, yeah. you know, bravery, I think maybe is a meaning with a wide spectrum. And, uh, you know, what you're doing right now, I think probably still fits within that, at least from my perspective. But before we do get into those questions, you know, I think returning to the issues at hand right now and what is taking place from a generalist perspective, obviously what's taking place is unjust aggression from Russia, you know, on Ukraine. And the coverage, it's been admirable in the sense of like, from the West, we can kind of get an idea of what's taking place. But I think it's almost like a near impossibility for that coverage to encompass everything, right? It's impossible. There's so many different factors that go into this, obviously, the access, you know, and then even, I think, being on the ground, if teams do get in there, just the idiosyncrasies of the culture and truly understanding the people within Ukraine, and all that hardship and tragedy that they're facing. And I assume that's where somebody like yourself, you know, comes in, you know, obviously knowing that, knowing the background, being from these regions that are being, you know, affected by everything. I guess the question where I'm driving at here is how would you personally describe the situation right now? You know, like how I feel it, I would perceive that it's a long marathon and uh, we want it to be over, but unfortunately we are still in this race. And uh, we have to fight and people are defending the land and they are fighting. And uh, like every day we have consequences. So it's like missiles attacks, drones attacks, or shelling of the civilian infrastructure or very critical infrastructure. So this is what, it, what happens every day. And uh, that's uh, like this particular thing is that when the full-scale invasion started, like uh, everyone, I think, were like was on alert that it's happening right now so everyone were super um like active or asking so right now with the war that has been like for 16 17 months you know yeah. people unfortunately get used to it so when we have this unprovoked uh 
and illegal and uh, uh, like full-scale invasion uh, by Russia on the territory of Ukraine. That's like the uh, middle of the continent, the European country, and we still have it. So there are a lot of questions. Why do we have it? And uh, like people from Ukraine want to just live as they lived before, even though that's a fantasy that we all have still. Uh, it's going to be a totally different life afterwards, after the victory and everything, after the end of the war. But right now, everyone has to deal with uh, this question of uncertainty. I think yeah. that's what unites everyone. It doesn't matter where you are from. Like, I mean, if you're from abroad, then you're kind of like, yeah, so what, what's what's going on there? If you don't even read the news every day, right? So yeah. as the person from another country, you probably wanted to be a peaceful land so that you know maybe you just thought to go there sometimes and uh, just uh, to visit some of the ukrainian uh, cities if you are from ukraine that's the matter of your existence that's the matter of where you will find yourself like i don't like this question but do you remember we have this question where do you see yourself in five years you know like that's absolutely unapplicable questions right the question yeah. right now for ukrainians because yeah. we can plan something just for three days in a row and yeah. when i com like communicate with my brands in kiev like how are you guys are you planning something it it's still there like three yeah. four days imagine like if you could plan your life for yeah. the next three four days and that's it and yeah. this is like a lot of ambiguity that you need to uh handle every day because you can't plan yeah and especially those people who are uh, like who like to plan or who are structured or you know it's just when we have plans the level of our anxiety decreases so mm -hmm. if you don't have it then you're just full of anxiety yeah. that's so it's yeah. all our ukrainians today full of anxiety and just with a great you know wish and hope that the war uh, will be over so that we could just rebuild restore and uh, leave uh, um, you know, the life, you know, I'm not telling the previous life because it will be different, but still the life. Yeah. 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 It's interesting you bring that up. I was just reading recently about other world conflicts and from a historical perspective and, and speaking with some of the people that have gone through this, like you said, I mean, those longer term sort of projections of looking at your life and planning things like those things are out the window. You know, I was just reading recently, it was, I think, a 10 day sort of cycle of like, okay, we're we just going to look in the future 10 days. That's as far as we can go. And you're just mentioning three days. I mean, like, it's a whole different perspective on on living life and, and, and everything in between. I, yeah, yeah. again, unimaginable is a word that I used earlier in this conversation. And I think it's it's totally fitting and apt, you know, when considering it from that perspective. And yeah, and imagine like all these thoughts that's from like people who are in more or less safe places. If we take uh, any territories right now that are being shelled every day, I mean, the, the whole territory of Ukraine is being shelled every day. It's yeah. just sometimes somewhere we have like anti-missile systems that work well. But imagine there are some uh, cities where still they get these hits uh, of the critical infrastructure or uh, like Russian soldiers hit somewhere uh, to the civilian infrastructure, right? So mm -hmm. then we have another question of existence and just survival. Because for those people, it's the matter of will I survive tomorrow? So right. and we talking about it in the 21st century i would never think yeah. that i would be those person who will be talking about the war right now you know because yeah. i thought that the stories of my grand grandmother from the second world war was the only kind of memory of the war uh, right. in uh, right. our family but unfortunately no yeah yeah and getting back to this point of media coverage and whatnot would you say that 
from a generalist sort of perspective that it's being handled well enough or are there certain issues that are being glossed over within the media or just not covered well enough in your opinion? I think that it's it's not probably the matter of covered well because we don't know what it means to to be covered well or not well meaning that if every day I mean definitely Ukraine is uh, everywhere in uh, in media these days but yeah. if we can uh, probably you know like med- media specialists can uh, make analysis and uh, compare it with the first days of the war so probably we do have a decrease uh, I mean, in terms of uh, talking, but that's understandable because people kind of treat about the war all the time. And sometimes, well, coming from the news industry, I can definitely say that whenever you have a war somewhere on the second or third story, it means that it's already like the interest is not as, um, you know, like active yeah. or is as it was before. Uh, definitely, uh, there are a lot of uh, discussions right now in Ukrainian uh, society that uh, some of the, probably you saw it, that some of the world media outlets, they use some phrases of Ukraine and Russia accuse each other like this, but that's not Ukraine who invaded another country, you know? So it's yeah. Ukraine who was invaded, yeah. uh, the country was invaded, and uh, that's definitely not a conflict. So it's uh, Russia's aggression. So that's that's definitely not a Ukraine's war because I wish we could live as we right. lived before the uh, like the full scale invasion and before annexation of Crimea and uh, hostilities in Donbas, you know. But that's how it is. So changing of this narrative sometimes it makes people think that you know probably they have like this thing there. It's uh, it's so complicated to understand. Well, everything is simple as the day to day. You know, we have a full scale invasion and aggression of the uh, Russian Federation on the Ukrainian territory. And mm-hmm. we definitely want to finish it, you know, because yeah. we just we want to have our territory back. You know, that's our territory. We didn't go yeah. anywhere. We didn't invade anyone, you know. So we're just defending and protecting our land. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's a really good point. I mean, even in, in constructing like a, an outline of this talk, just going through and I would catch myself you know, using, say, the word conflict. I'm like, wait a minute. No, this is not this is not the right choice of words. Like, and it was it was not intentional, you know, based on yeah. the, the meaning of what it was. But, you know, when you often associate two countries, perhaps, you know, warring, that yeah. word comes up. But I had to remind myself that this is not, it's not the right way of portraying it. I mean, this was complete unjust aggression being, you know, thrust upon your country, a peaceful country otherwise, that, uh, you know, your hand's been forced. You know, what What else are you to be doing, obviously, you know? So I think yeah. that's a really good point. And it's it's worth noting, I think, for listeners as well to hear that, even if they can catch that in the coverage and, and remind themselves as well of, of what's going on. Because you're right, it, it does become a narrative if you just kind of let, let your mind, you know, run yeah. with it. It can sort of shift your ideology and view on it all. So that's a really, yeah, I really like that point. Well, definitely, we can use this word as a uh, synonym. You know, there is nothing bad in this word, right? But the the first and foremost is that it's Russia's aggression. You know, it's Russia's invasion, full scale mm-hmm. invasion of the war against Ukraine. I think that it's more fair than to everything what is going on. Then you can use all the type of uh, synonyms that you you have. Right. You know. Being from the journalism world, probably, you know, that sometimes it's just good to use this word, not this one, but it is what it is. We we have a lot of, um, yeah, if if you just see the only word, word like conflict, then, yeah, I think it's a, some kind yeah. of a red line, you know. Right, right, right. 
You know, in terms of the the coverage, one of the reasons that I asked this question was that, at least for me, you know, I'll be going through my news sites and whatnot, whether it's BBC, CNN, or you go through, and this issue is certainly still there. And, uh, you know, it's one of the first stories that's always popping up. But I find, at least for me, like a lot of times it's it's on the current situation. And it's a lot of like the, the battle lines of what's taking place. It's showing the aftermath of attacks, which we need to see. We need to understand these things. But also, too, I find myself, I, I, I worry that it's almost a desensitization that, that could take place from this a little bit from people that are just seeing like, oh, okay, here's another city that's just being shelled and it is what it is. And okay, all right, I'm just going to keep scrolling on. But for me, like pulls me into it more deeply, at least, are the stories of the people, you know, the people that are being affected by this. I mean, certainly I have sympathy with, you know, the soldiers that are trying to defend their country. And, and, and of course, I mean, that goes without saying. But it's the stories of, of just everyday Ukrainians. We were just speaking about this earlier. And I'd be curious to know about whether you have any stories to share that sort of illustrate this, that make this issue real for people. Yeah, definitely, Christopher. And thank you so much for talking about people, because uh, definitely it's all about people right now, people who are defending the country, people who just uh, live and try to maintain the economy and still, you know, work uh, because we need to be self-sufficient and everything. But that's that's very complicated and very hard. But uh, like, I don't know, it's, it's like it's, you know, if I just look uh, on my Facebook and read the stories of people. It's uh, in many cases that I see like a friend of mine or someone's friend who died, you know, or who was injured. So it's like we have to deal with um, this type of like losses every day. So it's the trauma of loss. And it doesn't matter what a person goes through. For instance, where handles is it's the situation when a person, uh, one of my friends, she came back to her son after liberation. But then uh, after flooding, she still has to go somewhere else because it's not like it's it's very hard to with the old conditions there right now. So and uh, even after liberation, uh, the territory was shelled by the Russian forces. So she just wrote me, you know, like I, I have to leave again. And this phrase like again, you know, like you are living somewhere, you try to come back to your uh, place, rebuild, like kind of restore your world. I would yeah, say it like yeah. this. And then you have to move somewhere again because there is another problem, there is another tragedy. So another friend, she's uh, from Aleshki, that's the um, temporarily occupied territory, unfortunately. And uh, I, I assume that there are no um, like power, there is no power in many of the settlements right now. So I can't reach her. This feeling of uncertainty of like, it, it, it relates to everything and everyone. So I don't know whether she's okay or not. And uh, so that's the, the situation where every Ukrainian, each Ukrainian lives today. But that's like a very tragic side of it. Another one which makes me proud of my country and of my nation, this like uh, resilience uh, code right now, because it doesn't matter what happens. We try to rebuild, to recover, to go on on this race, you know, on this marathon. And uh, like people leaving, I just think that it's it's very, you know, void. Uh, he talks about the energy of life and energy of death. So Ukraine has an energy of life. It doesn't matter what happens and regardless of the circumstances, because people would write me that, Elena, you know, uh, Kiev has a lot of new restaurants and uh, like the new, new, like just opened. 
whenever I look through the Instagram stories, people go to concerts and performances. And this is what makes it, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. We want to leave, you know, and in some other territories that even after flooding right now, after the destruction of Kapovka Dam, uh, a lot of uh, regions from all over like Ukraine, uh, from different parts of Ukraine, from abroad, they started delivering aid there because we understand that people need it. It's all about that, you know, you have this neighbor who is always attacking you. And you understand that that's a crazy neighbor, but still you understand that you can help and you help how you can, you know? So it's like this philosophy. And I think that it makes us very resilient that regardless of anything, we will be fighting because we just, uh, we just try to help and we try to have this, the energy of life, I would call it. Yeah. I really like that. I like that sentiment there. And I think that's something that's also sometimes glossed over is that in, in some of these issues that are taking place is, you know, life, I think it's our drive as humans, you know, to, to, to continue. And certainly people within Ukraine are, are displaying this is on full display right now of, of these efforts. And what you're just speaking of there perfectly illustrates that. And there is, you know, in some way, in some twisted way, there is a beauty in that, I suppose, as well. It's worth recognizing at, at different points. So I'm glad that you did bring that up. Uh, yeah. Have you ever been to Ukraine or not? No, not I haven't. No, no, I haven't. And it, it had been on, on my list. It had been one of those places, you know. Uh, certainly, I mean, it's a beautiful After country. the victory, we will have to go there and I will show you around, you know, like, yeah. uh, I will show you a really nice Kiev. You will be surprised to, kn- to know that it's a very European city with yeah. uh, a lot of great places, history and uh, people. I can talk probably uh, for hours about that. We have beautiful cities everywhere in the yeah. West, on the South, you know, in the East, uh, North. So it's just uh, the matter of uh, going there one day, you know. Yeah, returning back to you really quickly here, in, in, in speaking about what we have been talking about, you know, as a professional, as someone who is covering this, and, and certainly, you know, is connected to this issue intimately, right? I'd like to know, and this might be a difficult question to answer, but how do you manage that? How are you able to, you know, go about doing your job as well as that you do, you know, whilst managing these emotions and, and the stresses and the pressures and the anxiety and all these things you're just speaking of, you know, I. Again, this might be a bit of a personal question, but uh, I think all the same, it's it'd be insightful for listeners to hear. Yeah, I think that it's a, it's a wonderful question. Thank you for that. I think it's it's just uh, as we all have different anxieties and have to deal with them every day. It's the same for me. Uh, sometimes I'm looking through some pictures and I'm completely uh, gone, meaning that I don't work because I can't concentrate and I can't focus yeah. on my work, like on writing or doing something because I'm just thinking about someone, something, or I simply can cry. That's okay to cry. You know, yeah. uh, like we are, t- we are all human beings and this is how we have to deal with our emotions. We are not robots, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And, uh, this is what happens to me every day. So uh, sometimes I'm, I can be ab- like absolutely structured because I have this list of things I have to do, but then like some detail can absolutely distract me in a, I would say this emotional way. And then I'm not there, but they, it's okay. This is all about our human being nature and uh, that it's good to give yourself this minute or even one hour, you know, that's okay. Um, I think I just don't have the time for my depressive side right now, meaning that there is nothing bad in a depressive uh, mode sometimes that we can have. It's it's okay Mm -hmm. because we 
deal with a lot of thoughts and uh, um, existential uh, thoughts. But uh, right now I'm in a mode that I have to do a lot of things. So I just don't let myself to be completely gone in some of the situations. So I can feel like emotions and everything. And I let myself do that. But I think that I'm more uh, trying to, like, as I understand that I'm in a safe place, my country is at the war. So I have to do more right now. That is why I just don't, don't let myself to be absolutely yeah. depressed because it will definitely stop all my activity. Right, but right. That, of course, as a, you know, as in every human being, I also, I'm, I'm there sometimes, you know, it's. Yeah. Yeah, well, it sounds like to me, it's a, it's a purpose, right? It is a purpose, you know, the, your words, your voice, what you're putting out there, what you're putting out to the world, you know, it's spreading yeah. awareness for these issues. And and that certainly would be something that could propel you, know, you forward, at least my assumption. Yeah. And also, too, I guess, returning to that point of, of you and your people, you know, that, that, that spirit being on display, I'm sure that plays into it as well. Well, I do have one last question here for you and returning to present in terms of what's taking place right now, in your estimation, as someone who's deeply, you know, connected with it all and covering it, what, what would you say, what needs to take place for this to stop, for Russia to, to stop this unjust invasion of, of your country? Well, I think that I won't be probably, uh, I will be typical in my question here, because this is what uh, a lot of Ukrainians think right now, that, you know, we need to liberate our territories, we need to get weapon systems that we need to do it, because we are not asking for soldiers, we are not asking for other people to fight for us. We uh, we have people who can fight, who can defend our land, but for that we need this means, you know, we need these uh, weapons to actually do that. And uh, I think that uh, right now we are all kind of waiting for the counteroffensive and definitely we want it to be successful and everything. But um, I'm not a military expert, I'm not a military person, probably, you know, people can um, can give you more details on it. I just feel that we can definitely uh, do it because we have we have a positive story before with Kherson Oblast, with Kharkiv Oblast, with just encirclement of Kiev Oblast, and then we could liberate it, you know. So I just feel that we can have our land and we can have all our territory back. And then we definitely need some guarantees, some security guarantees. You know, a lot of people say about NATO that this door is, you know, it's kind of open for us, but we definitely want to step in there. Uh, and this is the question of when, and uh, that's the very important question for us because we do have people, but unfortunately it's a war and a lot of people are dying. So that is why will there be this moment when we are there and we still have ourselves as a nation, you know, will we exist by that time, you know? So that is why it's more or less the existential question that we have right now. And for that, uh, we need the means to to win this war, you know, and uh, to, you know, I would probably, I understand that it's it's more or less like this is what a lot of people think, but I would say that we just need means to liberate our territories. We need to have our land protected and we need to be a country fortress uh, this is what I call it because uh, I'm sure that, you know, a lot of experts say that our army is very well equipped and uh, they are learning very fast. And uh, we can definitely uh, be a good example if, um, you know, we have all the necessary means for that. So I just hope that that everything happens timely. You know, we get it when we need it 
and then it will have very good consequences for the future, you know, not that we have it when, you know, there is no one left or something like this. So like yeah. this. Like yeah. Well, thanks so much, Elena. I mean, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time and, and you know, joining the program today and speaking about some of these issues as difficult as they might be. But I think, you know, in spreading awareness for some of these points and hearing it from somebody like yourself, I think will we'll certainly go a long ways and uh, and help keep, you know, the momentum strong and, and, and the sentiment flowing, you know, towards Ukraine and in the defense of your country. So again, thanks so much for your time. Christopher, thank you so much for talking about it and for having me here on your segment. Appreciate it very much. For those interested in learning more about Elena and her work, you can do so via the Center for European Policy Analysis, CEPA, or via LinkedIn. And for reference, all this information, including links, will be included in the show notes. And I mean, hey, if you like today's show, please be sure to tell a friend and share. You can also rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcast. Lastly, head on over to YouTube. I do have that channel over there. You can check out video conversation highlights of the talk with Elena. And of course, many of the other guests featured on Life As A. And finally, don't forget to join us on the next episode of Life As A, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.